Leonard Lopate at Large. I'm Leonard Lopate. The mission of the Socially Relevant Film Festival is to promote the work of filmmakers who produce film content and tell human interest stories across a broad range of issues without resorting to gratuitous violence or the violent forms of filmmaking that have become so common in commercial narrative films. Since it was founded in 2013, it has presented over 600 films from 40 countries. This year's festival, its 10th, opens at the Walter Reed Theater at Lincoln Center this coming Thursday, March 16th, and will run until the 31st uh, elsewhere and online. And joining us now is the festival's founding artistic director, actress, and filmmaker, Nora Armani. Welcome to back to our show. Thank you so much, Leonard. It's really a pleasure to be back. Well, I'm a believer in what you're doing here, so that's why you're <laughs> back also. How many films are you offering this year? Well, this year we have 70 films. And wow. uh, let me tell you quickly how it varies from year to year. Normally, I have noticed that uh, usually the doc documentaries range from 11 to 13 and the narratives from 6 to 8. And the balance is the short films. Mm -hmm. So when we have a bigger number of films every year, uh, a year, as opposed to another year, it's because the shorts are shorter or longer. Does this make sense? <laughs> yes, of course, because uh, you have time constraints and you have exactly. a lot of films that you're showing this year. And and the range of topics, what, climate change oh, yeah. and women, immigration and, and refugees, uh, uh, go on, tell me some of the other things. Well, the interesting point about the topics is like climate change is one, LGBTQ is another, family and adoption came up this year. Mm -hmm. And when we first go into the festival's edition, any particular edition of the festival, we don't pre-decide what the themes are going to be. Every time I'm asked, so what's the theme this year? And I say, I don't know, because we have to listen to the filmmakers. We get the submissions, we sort them out, we kind of put aside the ones that are not quite fitting standard-wise or theme-wise or uh, because they don't deal with a social issue or something like that, and then focused on the ones that we like and see what themes they are, that are floating to the surface. And, and, so, and I'm looking at some of the topics uh, that you haven't mentioned, for example, immigration and refugees, um, indigenous people's rights, yes. uh, genocide and Holocaust, youth and children, disability, incarceration and freedom, politics and social equality, racism, <laughs> life <Wow>. during <laughs> lockdown. It's a wide range. It is, it is. I mean, there are a lot of festivals who also show films like this, but they are not exclusively focused on them. And also some other festivals who are focused on one or another, like there is the Real Abilities, there is LGBTQ, there is other festivals that focus on one kind of uh, social issue. But we decided to open up the whole spectrum and invite everybody in, depending on what uh, filmmakers want to tell us. Well, I assume that none of these were considered uh, for the Academy Awards because they're uh, maybe the little too hard edge. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> or maybe I'm under the Academy radar, let's uh. say. But it doesn't uh, rule out that maybe one of them will be eventually discovered or um, come into the radar because it has happened that we worked with, we work already for a few years now, a number of years now with industry partners and invariably uh, films that screen, uh, which are on our official selection are invited by these industry partners for distribution on their uh, outlets and channels. So that's already a first step, which means for many of these filmmakers, there is life after SRFF. So it doesn't end with the festival week. I mentioned that opening night is at the Walter Reed Theater at the Lincoln Center. Where else will it run? Well, it's um, we open at the Walter Reed. We became a bit 
daring this year. And uh, as you were with us last year, which we are so grateful for, um, we were at the Eleanor Bunn in Monroe and we felt like maybe we need a bigger space for our 10th anniversary. So we went to the Walter Reed mm. this year. Then we come downtown to Cinema Village. Friday, Saturday and Sunday, we will be at Cinema Village. Then on the Monday, 20th, we move uptown to West Harlem and we do the section of the festival, which is called Rejoice, Resist. And that is about BIPOC films and filmmakers. And that will take place at um, Dear Mama, which on, on the 20th, MRHS, which is the Morningside uh, Health and Retirement Services, and uh, also on the 20th. Then on the 21st and 22nd, we go to Columbia University Maison Francaise. Mm. And on the 23rd, we close with the award ceremony, the in-person section at JCC Harlem. So we are uptown, downtown, midtown, mm. everywhere this year. And also online. Yes, and online. Thank you for reminding me that. On the 24th, when all the in-person section is finished, most of the films, I'm saying most because with the exception of maybe a handful, um, have not got the rights to online screening. So those uh, are not showing. But the majority of the program is on available online the 24th of March, starting the 24th. Aren't screenings free for students with student ID at the Cinema Village on a standby basis? Yes, yes, that's true. We have opened it up for students because already we have a very cheap fare rate uh, ticket, which was $7. It's not available anymore because it was an early bird uh, ticket. We always like to make it so low that people say, okay, I'm not going to get that important big coffee from hmm. Starbucks or wherever and instead go see this movie if they want to. Well, this is much and more worthwhile than Starbucks. Yeah. <laughs> and at the same time, we decided that why not make it free for students? And that's what we are doing. With a student ID, any student can come and chances are there will be room and they will be admitted. Now, you'll be opening the festival by giving out three honor awards and then screening a film called Shabu. Yeah. This Tell us year, about that. On the, tenth, uh, on the occasion of the 10th anniversary, we decided to give out honor awards to three individuals who have done so much through their work, whether it's empowering women or social justice, and those three awardees this year, honor awards, we are calling them, are uh, Gail Ann Hurd, award-winning film and television producer, uh, Tanya Lewis-Lee, producer, film director, writer, entrepreneur, and women's health advocate. The and wife Robert of Spike King Lee? Yes, that's right. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Mrs. Spike Lee. And Robert Schenken, who is a Pulitzer and Emmy Award-winning author, they are each getting the Vanya Exerjan Award. Um, Gail is getting for Women's Leadership in Film. Uh, Tonya is getting for Empowering Women. And Robert is getting for Writing Social Justice. And the Vanya Exerjan Award is named after my cousin, who unfortunately lost her life to a horrible hate crime. Um, and that's the reason why I founded the festival 10 years ago. As the 10th anniversary of her death was approaching, I wanted to do something meaningful to commemorate her. And this award will go to honor these three amazing individuals on opening night. She was killed in a hate crime in Cairo with uh, your uncle as well? That's correct, yes. My uncle well, and What kind my of a cousin. hate crime? Yeah, it was a hate crime. And 
it was horrible because it was in daylight in the middle of the building and nobody was able to do anything because because it was a dangerous situation and um, it was horrible. Yeah, traumatic experience. So tell me about the the film that you're opening with, Shabu. Isn't it a youth-oriented documentary from the Netherlands? Yes, that's correct. Shabu is a beautiful, uplifting film. And I want to underline the uplifting because we spoke about all these horrible social problems and issues. And somebody might think, oh, my God, what a depressing film festival. I don't want to go there. (laughs) But... We we make sure that all the films that we screen have a glimmer of hope or, or have some light at the end of the tunnel or some uplifting element to it. Shabu is the story of a Suriname uh, young man from Suriname who lives in uh, uh, Amsterdam, uh, Rotterdam, actually. Rotterdam and, South. Yeah. Rotterdam on a block South. called Paperclip. Yeah, <laughs> maybe it looks because it looks like a paper clip. Mm-hmm. And he uh, wrecks his grandmother's car while she was away uh, um, on holiday in Suriname. So she assembles the entire family to complain about this and say, look what Shabu did to my car. So he promises that he will work and find the money and pay her back for it. And I don't want to tell you more because then we'll give away the film. <laughs> but he dreams of becoming a famous musician. He's only 14 right. years old at the time. That's right. So at the same time, there is his music that is featured in it, in the film. And also this young man on his way to becoming well-known as a musician so it's it's kind of an uplifting at the same time about it's a BIPOC film as well because of the um, filmmaker and the film and the origin of the young man in the film. And it's really quite an uplifting experience. And that will be followed by a Q&A with uh, its filmmaker, Shamira Rafaela. Yes, Shamira Rafaela is coming from the Netherlands on this occasion, and we are so happy to be able to host her on uh, for this. Um, and the event, uh, the opening night film, is sponsored by IndiePix, one of our um, um, one of our industry partners, and the Dutch Culture, which is uh, the Consulate General of the Nether, uh, the Kingdom of Netherlands. And Dutch culture is their cultural uh, division uh, in the United States. So we are able to host Shamira to come and present and be uh, available for the Q&A. And then later that night, now that's after you've done, shown that film and given out the awards, you'll be showing another movie? Yes, as there is a second film, but in between there is a small reception to celebrate the 10th anniversary, uh, which is for VIP ticket holders. So we're making a distinction because the place seats 260 people. Unfortunately, the reception cannot take that many. So we had to make a distinction somewhere. And the second film is a Lebanese film, which is very timely also. It's about... um a, a, a crime that has happened and there is this Syrian uh, character who is suspected and the jury of 12, which is kind of taken from 12 angry men, the jury were supposed to give out a verdict. But what is amazing and so timely is that the jury is composed of completely different individuals, each representing a different faction of Lebanese society, which, as you know, is so divided between all the different groupings and therefore uh, always the misunderstandings or miscommunications or uh, disagreements. And now this jury has to come together and decide together on one verdict. So it's very interesting in that sense. 
And its title is spelled rather oddly, T-N-A-A-S-H. Yeah, Tanash, which in uh, Lebanese Arabic means 12. Ah. It's the name of the meaning 12, like to 12 members of the jury. My guest on today's Leonard Lopate at Large is Nora Armani, the founding artistic director of the Socially Relevant Film Festival, which is celebrating its 10th anniversary edition this week. This is WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. A number of the uh, the films relate to New York. Uh, one of That's the 12 true. documentary features in competition this year is called The Renegade Legacy of Bleaker and McDougal. Yes, yes, that is very, very interesting because we have actually two films that are relating to New York. Um, one of them is The Renegade Legacy and the other one is There Goes the Neighborhood, which is so rightfully uh, mentioned uh, in that sense. And they'll both and, be shown on Friday at Cinema Village. No, actually... Um, on Friday, we have There Goes the Neighborhood, mm -hmm. and The Renegade Legacy is on Sunday. Oh, okay. Yeah, The Renegade Legacy is screening on Sunday at 9.15. And it's about the, the past of Greenwich Village, its, it's cafes, yes. its artists, the poets, musicians in the 60s? Yes, yes. Uh, it's about um, the groundbreaking, subversive poetry, radical music, and activism that started more than 50 years ago in small cafes in New York City and went on to help change the political and social nature of the U.S. And all this is woven, interwoven into the current and important scenes of today's contemporary poets and singers uh, and activists who have formed what New York is uh, today. And it's filled of ap with appearances of iconic legends that documentary celebrates uh, activity, creativity, protest, and original ways to fight conformity. And you will notice very um, familiar faces from that uh, young poet's generation in there. People who have uh, continued to influence our thinking about the arts. Uh, yes. The village was just so important. Uh, there Goes the Neighborhood is about Queens, and it's an, about extreme, uh, the fight against extreme gentrification. Yes, that's another film that uh, talks about that. In the past, we've screened other films that had to do with gentrifications and neighborhoods completely being transformed and even to the extreme. And we have screened films about Albany where immigrant, complete immigrant populations and immigrant neighborhoods have been uh, bulldozed and people have been made to move out of their um, decades old homes and so on. And uh, this one is no exception because we're always promoting films that have to do with, you know, the anti or showing the flip side of gentrification and what it means to any kind of uh, population. I'm interested in seeing it because I, by the way, have done radio shows on both of the topics that you're discussing. In this case, there goes the neighborhood about... Um, the um, the proposed Amazon headquarters in Queens and the, the No Towers, No Compromise campaign that followed. Yep, absolutely. Well, you're more than welcome, of course, as a, you know, I was a friend of the festival. You're welcome to come anytime to any of the screenings. Well, I plan to definitely to come to opening night because it sounds like it'll be just so much fun. Now, yes, Absolutely. Now I mentioned uh, that you you have how many films altogether uh, in this seventy. Seventy. We have so seven, I, yeah. I'm, we can't talk about all of them. No, of course. What are some no. of the other ones that are that stand out in your mind? 
Well, in the comp, uh, for example, this year we also have a partnership with the Canadian Consulate General and Telefilm Canada, and we have put a program together called Voices of Canada series. And in the Voices of Canada series, on Friday we have a, a documentary called Only Child. And that screens at 5 p.m. at Cinema Village on Friday, March 17. And it talks about a um, adopted woman who, um, with only her mother's name and, uh, uh, and her town of birth in hand, this 60-year-old adoptee from Dublin navigates misogynistic landscape of Ireland's past in a relentless search to find her mother. Mm-hmm. And the film chronicles the 20-year journey of this person and shows how the mores of that period of the unwed mothers and the teenage pregnancies and so on, how they have affected these people's lives. And this one is a very powerful film because I personally happen to know a friend of my husband's who recently discovered a new niece that came out uh, like this, out came into their lives. And this was an adoptee that had been uh, taken away from his sister. And years later, she found her mother. Another one that sticks out in my uh, choices are Maya Land, um, Listening to the Bees, which is about... Um, the conflict that erupted between Maya beekeepers and the Mexican government in 2011, which um, um, kind of has to do with the genetically modified soy in the Yucatan Peninsula. The film focuses on the role that the Mayas pre-colonize an ongoing relationship with the bees and what it meant for them and how culturally it was important for them and then how the struggle shaped that change in that region. Um, then we have another film called Midsummer Night's Dream in Prison, which is about staging Midsummer Night's Dream in prison and uh, we see how the prisoners are taking on the Shakespeare play and how they are performing and how it's transforming their lives and their experience of uh, incarceration. Um, then we have, oh, another Canadian film is quite interesting, also a part of the Voices of Canada series, is called Incorrigible. And this is a film about a woman called Velma Demerson, who was jailed for falling in love with a Chinese man. And she was pregnant and without legal counsel. So she was thrown into jail in Toronto. When was and that? Was, I'm sorry? When? 1939. Uh-huh. Can you imagine? Yeah. Obviously and not more recently. No, no, no. <laughs> and uh, she was tortured and uh, by a eugenics doctor who attempted to abort the child. But 60 years later, she sues the Canadian government for wrongful incarceration. And until her death in 19, uh, nine, uh, in, uh, at the age of 98, uh, in 2019, she continues to fight for the rights of thousands of women uh, imprisoned for incorrigibility. And this is really another powerful film. Uh, then we have something more on the lighter side uh, about Albert Einstein, a film called Still a Revolutionary, mm-hmm. which is quite interesting because when we think of Einstein, we don't think of revolution. But this film shows that he was um, not just a genius, but also a revolutionary who fought for a lot of major issues that we are fighting for today, like abortion rights, like LGBTQ rights and things like that. Quite advanced for his time. 
So, um, yeah, these are the documentaries. Oh, we have also a very interesting film from, uh, Olivier Morel. It's an American film and French American by, um, about, um, Hélène Sixou, who is a, um, intellectual author, writer, playwright, thinker in France, very well respected. And the film chronicles a, a period of her life with her collaboration. And in the film, Sixou explores the wounds of our time and allows us to hear the cry of literature, the history of dozens of members of her German Jewish family who were assassinated in the death camps and how this trauma affects and uh, continues even during the de uh, recent wars of decolonization in Africa, because she was also from Algeria. So it's kind of all ties in together in an amazing way. And in the narrative features, we have some outstanding pieces too. Like there is a film called The Anxiety of Laughing, which is interesting because Joey, a young man disabled with cerebral palsy, is about to marry his able-bodied fiancée, Leah, against the objections of her mother, and their lives take a drastic turn when Leah is in a serious car accident. Hmm. So suddenly, instead of caring, she becomes in need of care. And that decides who is disabled, really. And Asphalt is a beautiful film from Denmark, who, uh, which is really attracting a lot of attention from the jury. And it's about a truck driver who accidentally comes across a young woman in the middle of the night as he's driving. And a relationship develops, which has a very surprising turn, which I'm not allowed to say. <laughs> So, um, what else? Let me see. Well, have the, uh, before you go on to some more, ha haven't some of these films been screened at other film festivals? Actually, no, because oh. we um, have a um, at least films that come to us should at least be a New York premiere, uh -huh. if not New York City. Uh, in fact, the next film I'm about to mention is a little exception to that. It's a New York City premiere. It's not a New York premiere. And it's an Armenian film called It's Spring. And Aram Amatuni is a retired special forces spy who has developed his entire, uh, devoted his entire life to serving and protecting his country. But his grandchild, who is a talented violinist with a prospect of going to Europe and on a scholarship and continuing his musical career, decides to follow instead his grandfather's um, steps mm -hmm. against his own father's wishes. And, of course, I won't tell you what happens. So he chooses to get into the military instead of uh, the musical career. So that is the only film that is a New York City premiere and has been to, I think, the Queens Film Festival. But everything else that you see on our roster is a uh, premiere. And you've said, I'm quoting, in today's climate, it is rare to find individuals who use their art and talent to make a positive impact on society and to change lives. The socially relevant film festival tries to do the same through the films that we screen. So that is, in the end, the ultimate thing that uh, decides whether you want a film or not? Yeah, actually, there are three criteria we, on which we decide why a film is in our official selection or not. The first one, besides everything else, regardless of social issue, uh, relevance, impact, or whatever, it has to be a well-made film. It, the production values have to be very good, and it shouldn't look amateurish or poorly made or anything like that. 
Then immediately after that is what is the social issue that it is dealing with? And of course, we are also concerned about who is the audience for that film. But the first two are more important because part of our mission is also to develop an audience. We can't always rely only on the uh, preaching to the choir and saying, oh, this film, if we put this film, these people will come. If we put that film, those people will come. We also want to have a mission of educating or enlightening or uh, enlarging in uh, the horizons of the film uh, going public. So therefore, that third element is important because we also have to think about not getting into a cinema where there are only three people mm-hmm. watching. But at the same time, we want to make sure that the social issue and the quality of the film are the most important elements. You're listening to Let It Lopate at Large on WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. I hope you're enjoying my conversation with Nora Armani. Uh, we have uh, something interesting to offer. The, the first six donors to WBAI with a contribution of $70 or more can uh, receive a pass to the um, the, the, the festival, uh, or uh, three donors at $150 can win passes for two, allowing them to see everything, including opening night VIP tickets. Uh, we're talking about the Socially Relevant Film Festival that begins this Thursday at the Walter Reed Theater at Lincoln Center. Um, to do to take advantage of that, just go online to give to wbai.org or call 212-209-2950 during today's show, and we'll be happy to send you the passes. But be sure to make that tax deductible in the name, a donation in the name of London Lopate at Large. And thank you so much, and we we thank you, Nora, for making those tickets available. Uh, to our audience. Uh, all t- all t- tickets to this are tax deductible? Yes, of course. I mean, to the extent that uh, is allowed by law, you know, there is such a phrase you have to say. But uh, yeah, definitely. And um, uh, once people make the donation, you can relay us the names and we will have them on the list and they can come to the um festival desk and uh, we will give them their passes now I should point out that you're an award winning actor filmmaker with international stage and screen credit performing in many languages um, Have what have you done recently here in New York you, you've been off Broadway haven't you yeah that's true I did a play I keep forgetting about my actress part <laughs> When the festival happens, it's like everything goes back. I was going to ask you about that, putting everything else aside. But go ahead. What what do you? Yeah, everything else goes to the back burner. But I have to keep reminding myself, and I thank you for reminding me. I did a play which was about um, repatriation to the Soviet Union after the uh, Second World War, Mm. and. Um, a lot of people enthused by communist ideas and the hope for a better future and so on dropped everything and went and repatriated to the Soviet Union, including the story of this heroine of mine that I was uh, portraying. And uh, of course, they were uh, severely disappointed. So it's the life of this woman who at 25 decides to go despite her sister's uh, advice against it, who is older, 10 years older than her and a little bit more wiser. She decides to go and then we see how her life changes over the years and she ages in front of our eyes until a- at the age of 85 after uh, a lot of things that have happened to her, she finally uh, passes away. 
So it was a very, uh, a, a, a topic that was very close to my heart because members of my family, uh, during that period of time went repatriated to the Soviet Union. And this story was kind of, it, um, it rang a bell. So, <laughs> so that was, now I'm developing it into a bigger uh, story because there are so many parallels between what was going on during the Stalin purges in the Soviet Union and what was happening in the United States during the McCarthy era. And funnily enough, both these men were called Joseph. I don't know if there is any coincidence in that, but it struck me. Yeah, Joseph Stalin and Joseph McCarthy. Uh So very, very interesting. Now, your your films have been screened everywhere. Your company is Paris-based? Yeah, I do have a film production company in Paris, which has produced films that have been in official selections at the Cannes, Rotterdam and other film festivals. Um, but uh, right now I'm developing a couple of other projects as a producer and actor. I always keep saying I won't produce anything unless I'm also acting in it because it's so time consuming and so much energy that you put into it. So there is a choice that you have to make at some point. But I also did a film uh, a few months ago, actually last May, which is supposed to be released uh, at some point later this year. And it's called Absolute Dominion, directed by Lexi Alexander. And um, coincidentally, um, one of our honorees, Gail uh, Ann Hurd, produced one of the films that Lexi did also. But that's not, I later found out about that. That's not how it happened, basically. So this uh, is a very interesting topic, and um, it will be released on some major uh, chain like Netflix or uh, Disney or YouTube or Hulu or something like that. Well, looking over uh, the the uh, list of accomplishments of Gail Ann Hurd, it's kind of incredible. She was Roger Corman's executive assistant and then rose to head of marketing at his company, New World yep. Pictures. She um, uh, was involved with the 1984 film Terminator, which she co-wrote. Uh, also, Aliens, The Abyss, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, Armageddon, although none of those sound like the sort of things that um, would uh, work well within your socially relevant film festival. No, but actually we're honoring the person because she's been such a huge advocate of um, empowering women in the business. Well, she, like, she, she produced an award-winning documentary on the late Wilma Mankiller, the first woman to be elected principal chief of the Cherokee Nation. Exactly. And she's very much uh, stood for the rights of uh, women and um, leadership in the industry, as she herself is a great example of that. Well, you're also an actor and a filmmaker. Do you prepare the festival in your spare time? Actually, um, I'm not doing as much as I would like to as an actor and filmmaker, and I'm doing much more for the festival. But I'm hoping that now that it has gone 10 years and it has kind of established itself somehow, maybe I can have someone help me a little bit with the directing of the day-to-day or producing of the day-to-day elements of the festival so that I can be a little freer for my creative endeavors, which I badly miss, actually, I should say. But I also take a lot of pride and I love our filmmakers. That is the one thing that makes me really get out of bed and do everything and sleep late at night, wake up early. And we do interviews with all our filmmakers on our YouTube channel. This is something that was kind of COVID-imposed because when uh, in 2020 and 2021 we went online, we suddenly realized that 
we could now interview all the filmmakers mm-hmm. and not have to limit ourselves to the ones who used to come to New York mm-hmm. to attend the festival. And it started a tradition. So every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday leading up to the festival, we do meet the filmmakers interviews in which uh, I group together different filmmakers and we talk to them. And all these interviews are available on our YouTube channel, on the festival's YouTube channel. So everybody gets a chance to talk. And that's when, when I do these talks with them, that's when I realize how much I love this festival and how much I love the filmmakers. And that's why it's very difficult for me to come to a clear cut decision as to whether I should continue at full hands on or should I take a step back or what to do. So I don't know. Although I assume that one feeds the net the next, but you include films from many different countries. Does that mean you have to travel to those countries to see them, or are these likely to have been screened at some festival where you could have seen a bunch of them? No, actually, unlike other festivals, we don't, I do travel, I do go to different festivals. I go less now than I used to do before I uh, was running the Socially Relevant Film Festival. Um Unlike other festivals, we don't go to big festivals and um, kind of fish out the films that are doing well. On the contrary, we pride ourselves to be giving a platform or shining the spotlight on films that otherwise could easily go unnoticed or fly under somebody's radar. So we focus and we specifically... um delve into the submissions that come our way and they mainly come to us through Film Freeway, which is the main submission platform we work with. So that is one of the things uh, we focus on. I'm speaking with Noor Armani, the uh, actress, filmmaker, and founding artistic director of the Socially Relevant Film Festival, which uh, opens this Thursday here in New York at the Walter Reed Theater and then runs until the 31st of this month. Uh, This is WBAI New York 99.5 FM and streaming live at WBAI.org. Now, we see lots of stories about violence on the TV news. Don't you argue that positive social change can happen through the impact of socially relevant films on society? Absolutely. I am convinced that uh, if you tell people about people's lives, like real people and what they are experiencing, um, a lot of things in society like racism, prejudice, hate, or whatever, all these terrible things that we experience on a daily basis happen because of lack of knowledge, basically. Lack of uh, knowledge about the other and what the other is going through and uh, lack of empathy, lack of uh, compassion because of not knowing. And by knowing and finding out about these other people and other people's lives, we start understanding them better And we start seeing that there are more similarities between us and them Mm -hmm. than there are differences. And we focus on these similarities. And it definitely, I think, I don't want to say that we are already changing the world because the world needs a much, much bigger effort to change. And it's not our poor little festival with its 650 films shown to date that is going to change it. But I think it starts with a drop in the bucket and everyone starts with their immediate entourage, their immediate, whatever is accessible to you. I felt like this medium is accessible to me. I had guest curated festivals before 
And I had sworn never to do my own festival because I could see what it takes. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, when this idea came to me, and especially the meaning uh, that I mentioned at the beginning of the show, that uh, the commemoration uh, of my cousin and my uncle, then I was driven and I felt, no, we need to tell these alternative uh, stories. We need to talk about um, human lives uh, as far away as they may be from ours because they are all enriching experiences. As I mentioned earlier, you've already presented films from 40 countries, 23 in this festival. Now, those countries are quite different uh, often. Uh, Do you find that the filmmakers have some attitudes in common, some ideals in common? Oh, yeah, that's a very good question because... Um, countries might be different, languages might be different. And cultures, but the, and, and some, some of them are more dangerous than others. And Some might be dangerous, some might not be able to, like, for example, when we're dealing with Iran, uh, like filmmakers from Iran invariably ask us for waivers because they are not able to send money, or Turkey or Lebanon, countries where the currencies are so impossible that, for them, the small uh, submission fees that we ask are humongous. And we often, based on merit and based on uh, possibilities, we offer uh, some waivers. We can't do it for everyone, unfortunately, because it's not fair for the filmmakers who are paying and entering. But um at the end of the day, regardless of how different filmmakers are, and how different cultures they come from, there is one common uh, language that unites them, and that is the cinema language. That is the storytelling, that is the passion about sharing of knowledge about something and transmitting that information to us. Well, this uh, festival has been a big success. So that Thank has uh, that has to please you. In fact, this year you needed a big, bigger theater. Oh yeah, we're hoping that we will be able to fill the place. So please, whoever is listening, come and enjoy the show. And we're pretty much out of time. Is there anything you want to add? Well, I want to thank you so much for being such a supporter of our event and also for being there for our opening last year and um, um, doing well, I'm not going to go on stage this year, but that was a lot of fun last year. Yes, thank you. This year you'll be just a guest, but we would be more than happy to welcome you on the red carpet and on the reception afterwards. It would be wonderful to have you and your guest. And uh, are you working on another film of your own? Yes, I am, actually. I'm working on two different uh, projects. One of them is a short film, which is much more feasible, and I'm hoping that we will be able to shoot it by... Um, September. It takes a lot of, I was being uh, over and optimistic and I was saying in April after the festival, we'll shoot it, but then well, you need preparation time. So even though it's a short, it's still a film. So probably in September, we'll shoot that. And then the other one, which is a feature film, it'll take a little bit uh, longer. And I'm also co-writing a series about the Middle East. So it's quite a lot of work. After the festival, I was hoping I could go and have a vacation someplace, but I don't think that's happening. I think it's back to the drawing board right away. (laughs) A reminder that this year's Socially Relevant Film Festival opens its 10th season at the Walter Reed Theater at Lincoln Center this coming Thursday, that's March the 16th, and we'll run until the 31st at any number of other venues. You could, How can people check out the list? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, maybe we should give out the website. Yes, um, please. Yeah, it's www.ratedsrfilms.com. 
films with a plural, rated like ratings, but it's rated, S like uh, mm -hmm. socially, R like relevant, films.org. And there you will find everything you need, information on the opening, on other days, on tickets, on whatever you need. Well, thank you so much for being on our show today. And, thank uh, you. And good luck with the festival. Thank you so much. And I have to excuse me for my voice, which oh. is not normally like this, but I'm just winding down from a cold, and it's a kind of You were great. Horse. Anyway, that brings us to the end of our show. Uh, if you're just discovering this program and would like to hear more about one-hour deep dive interviews, you can access our over 700 past shows streaming on demand at WBAI.org. Our podcast, which recently surpassed 1 million plays, is available on iTunes, Apple, and everywhere else you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to write to me, my email address is leonardlopate at wbai.org. Before I sign off today, I need to ask you to support WBAI to keep the show coming to you weekdays from 1 to 2 p.m. We're asking all of our listeners who have the means to do so to make a contribution at whatever level they're comfortable with by calling 212-209-2950 or by going online to give to WBAI.org right now. That's given the number to WBAI.org or 212-209-2950. This station is uh, going through a rough time, has been since the pandemic began, and we need your help to, to keep bringing you this unique in-depth content, information you usually don't get anywhere else. And as I mentioned earlier, the first six donors to WBI with a contribution of $75 or more can each win a pass uh, to the festival or... Three who uh, become $150 donors can win passes for two, which will allow them to see everything, including the opening night VIP tickets. Uh, it, the festival begins this Thursday at the Walter Reed Theater at Lincoln Center. So why not make that call right now, 212-209-2950. Go online to give to WBAI.org. You might also consider becoming a sustaining member of the station, what we call a BAI buddy. And during Women's History Month, we're offering the 8-gigabyte Women's History Collection and a WBAI tote bag to anyone who signs up to become a WBAI buddy for $15 a month or more. But either way, I hope you'll call right now because BAI relies 100% on listener donations. We don't take ads or foundation grants, which allows us to be completely free speech radio. So if you tune in regularly to Leonard Lopez at Large, why not let us know that you appreciate what we do on this show by going online to give to WBAI.org. Give and the number two WBAI.org or call 212-209-2950 to play a part in keeping this historic station the only one on the New York radio dial that is 100% listener-sponsored, alive and thriving with tax-deductible support. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.